0: It's something that is unique to mankind and universal to every individual. We will all experience discouragement, sometimes frequently, throughout our lives to varying degrees. It's like a virus starting in a small way, spreading very quickly, and it brings heaviness, restriction, and weakness into the vibrant life of any person. The serious nature, though, of this problem is that it's also highly contagious... And it can infect those that come into contact with it. Now, let me give you an example. In uh, Numbers 13, verse 31 to 33. Here we've got the spies going in to spy out the promised land. God has made clear in his word about the goodness, the richness of his provision. His promises are clear. A land flowing with milk and honey. And and ten of the spies, as they're in there amongst the the, the, the twelve they come back full of discouragement. You see, they've looked at the high wall city, and they've looked at the giants in the land, and they've considered the strength of the people, and they're full of discouragement. So much so that they're starting to think, we can't do it, it's not possible. They begin to say, we're not able to go in and take the promised land. And so they come back, and I want you to notice this. The ten infect two million Other people. The Bible says they come back with what is an evil report. Now, it's not evil because it's inaccurate, perfectly accurate. It's evil because of the effect it has in bringing discouragement to so many other people. And this is, I believe, why the scripture shows us here in Numbers 14 and verse 1 a great wail went up from the whole of Israel. It says they wept all night. When they heard this report, when they sensed the discouragement of the the 10 spies, they came back with this uh, infection that caused people to feel, we're not able to go in either. It's not possible. Their hearts melted within them. Thank God, though, for two of the 12 that went in, for Joshua and Caleb. For two people who could stand and say, we are well able to go in and take the promised land. We need encouragers in the church, don't we? We need people that are able to stir us up and spur us on and, and enable us to believe that we, we can lay hold of what God has promised in his word. Now this is why the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11, we're to encourage one another and build one another up. The missing ministry in the church today is the ministry of encouragement. God wants us to strengthen each other and and come alongside each other and uh, to have a listening ear, a kind word, the ability to to cause people to, to believe that they can be what God says they can be. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11 It's speaking about building one another up, but then look at Hebrews 3.13. It says we're to encourage one another every day, as long as it's called today. So this building up, this encouraging, is something that should be a daily practice. Now the reason why we need to do it every day is because in every single day, there's plenty of things that will try to discourage us. To knock our faith, to bring disappointment to our heart, to, to, to shake our confidence in every single day. There will be things that are trying to wear us down. We all have a responsibility to protect one another from the torment and the tyranny of this affliction. And when you look at the Bible, it's full of characters that struggled with discouragement. Major characters, people like Moses, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, Elijah, Job, David, Timothy, all battled with this particular problem. And so tonight, I want to speak about three simple things about a very complex problem. Number one, the cause. Number two, the characteristics. And number three, the cure of this problem or discouragement. Let's look at the cause though first of all because there are a variety of causes that enable it to slip subtly and silently into our lives. Let's begin with fatigue. You see we are at our weakest and most vulnerable when physically we're tired and weary. An accumulation of pressures, responsibilities and problems can overwhelm us and wear us down. Well, we see an example of this in Numbers 11, verse 14. Here is Moses, and listen to what he says. I am not able to carry all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. He was worn out, not least by the fact that they were always complaining, always finding fault, always in some way they were murmuring against Moses. And he was feeling exhausted With it all. In Numbers 14, verse 2 says that the whole of Israel grumbled and complained against Moses. Then in verse 4, it says they started to say, Let's choose for ourselves another leader. (laughs) We don't want Moses anymore. He's not up to the job. That must have wounded the spirit of Moses. I mean, he was doing the best that he could. He didn't want the job in the first place. There wasn't a long queue of people volunteering, saying, I'll lead two million people out of the bondage of Egypt and through the wilderness. So he was doing what he could, but people were never grateful. People just took him for granted. And you know, when people disappoint us, and we we feel taken for granted or not appreciated, it, it can be extremely draining. We see another character here, major character in the Bible, in 1 Kings 19. Part of his downfall was brought on by discouragement that was created by the weariness, the tiredness. You see, he had just been involved in a battle against the prophets of Baal. He called fire to come down from heaven. The prophets of Baal were slain. A mighty victory and on top of that, he'd only just outrun King Ahab's chariot. Literally, supernaturally, he'd outrun a chariot for many miles. He was absolutely worn out. And so then he hears the queen wants to put him to death. Now, normally, <laughs> he would have been able to stand strong against that. Elijah would have been able to rebuke and, 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 and reject all that sense of fear in his life. But he was tired. He was vulnerable. And so instead he panics. He runs for his life. Hides under a broom tree. And comes to the place of such despair. He says, I've had enough. I don't want to live any longer. God, take my life from me. Totally out of character for Elijah. But the fatigue brought him down. Do you know when we're physically or emotionally exhausted... And just feel as though we've got nothing else to give. We become a prime target for discouragement. Another cause, not just fatigue, but frustration. Nehemiah 4 and verse 10 tells us, There was rubble all around the workers, and it was getting in the way of rebuilding the wall. They were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. What a high calling, what a great privilege, what an exciting project. But all this rubble was getting in the way. And you and I, we can have rubble in our own lives. When unfinished tasks pile up, it's natural to feel frustrated. When trivial matters or the unexpected interrupt and prevent us accomplishing what we need to do, our frustration produces discouragement. As one man said, just when I think I can make ends meet, somebody moves the ends. And it's one of those natural frustrations of life that we we all go through. But as Christians, frustration is very real in a spiritual sense. When we've prayed and fasted for something, but it doesn't come about. When we've stood on God's promises, and yet there's been no breakthrough. When we've trusted God, and there's been no change. Maybe praying for our unconverted loved one are backslidden sons or daughters. they be praying for healing or some guidance or provision and it doesn't come to pass. That can be extremely frustrating, bringing discouragement into our lives. Let me show you what happens. In Proverbs 13 and verse 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. There is a, a spiritual sickness called discouragement that comes into our heart when what we've hoped for, believed for, trusted God for doesn't actually happen. This was certainly the case for the two on the Emmaus Road. I mean, they believed Jesus was going to be the answer immediately to all their problems. You see, they believed that Jesus was going to come with a mighty army Overthrow the Roman government and establish there and then his kingdom. But instead, Jesus was arrested, he was humiliated, abused, tortured, put to death. And so, these two on the Emmaus Road, they're walking away from the cross, they're walking away from Jerusalem, and they're walking down the Emmaus Road with sad, heavy hearts. Their hopes have been dashed, their dreams have been shattered. And we begin to see the frustration here. Look at Luke 24, verse 21. They say, we had thought that Jesus was going to be the one to redeem Israel. And now it's the third day, and nothing's happened. It didn't happen when and how they thought it was going to work. And so they come crashing down in their faith. A third cause for Discouragement is failure. (laughs) We can all identify with failure, can't we? Do you know the person that has never failed at anything has never done anything. If you want to stand up, step forward, speak out for Jesus, you'll find there'll be occasions of failure. But sometimes we can feel a failure as a husband to our wife or a wife to our husband, parents to our children, even children to our parents. Sometimes we can feel a failure at home or at work or in the ministry. And that failure is so powerful because failure condemns, failure crushes, and failure robs us of our confidence. But when you look at David, how could King David, a man after God's own heart, How could he have failed in the way that he did by committing adultery with Bathsheba? How could he have been instrumental in manipulating the, the death of the woman's husband to cover up his act? And he thought he'd got away with it. But when Nathan the prophet came along and pointed to David and said, Thou art the man, that sense of failure must have been so crushing upon him. But isn't it wonderful that God doesn't deal with us in the way that we deserve? I I mean, the Bible says God does not deal with us according to our iniquities. We don't get what we deserve. God doesn't wash his hands of us. He's the God of the second chance. And because David's heart was repentance, God's heart was towards David. And God was going to raise David up again and encourage David. What about... Peter in the New Testament, this lion of a man. (laughs) When Jesus said to his disciples, one of you are going to deny me. Peter was quick to say, well, it'll not be me. (laughs) I'll be with you to the end. With my last breath, I'll defend you, Jesus. And then at the challenge of just one girl vehemently with oaths and curses, Peter denied having anything to do with Christ. Imagine how Peter must have felt, particularly when Jesus was led across the courtyard by the Roman soldiers, and and Peter was following on from a distance. And the Bible says Jesus turned and looked at Peter, and Peter wept. He wept. That feeling, how could I have done it? How could I have failed like that? And you know, when Jesus looked at Peter, it wasn't a look of anger. It wasn't a look of resentment. It wasn't a look of condemnation. We know that to be true because we know the nature of Christ, don't we? When Jesus looked at Peter, it was a look of compassion and understanding and a longing to encourage and strengthen and and see him established again. See Peter standing on the day of Pentecost preaching to thousands. See Peter as one of the pillars of the New Testament church. God's heart is towards us like that in all our failure. Sometimes our mistakes may seem devastating, our best laid plans fall apart, our good intentions go wrong, and the temptation is to feel worthless and useless. Whenever you feel a failure, I want you to remember Abraham Lincoln. Now, Abraham Lincoln. Is remembered today as one of America's greatest ever leaders. But his life wasn't so easy. You you see, Abraham Lincoln went to war a captain and returned a private. He started numerous businesses that failed. He went bankrupt twice, and he was defeated in 26 political campaigns before eventually becoming the 16th president of the United States. He was determined to keep on keeping on, even though there was a whole host of failures behind him. Another problem that brings discouragement to us is fear. And you know fear comes because we listen to the wrong voices. You listen to the voice of God. You're strengthened. You're built up. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. But you listen to the wrong voices. And anxiousness, worry, and fear begins to come into your life. The voice of your rational thinking. The voice of your circumstances. The, the voice of your feelings. The voice of the devil. We listen to the wrong voices... That sense of insecurity begins to come into our lives. Now, Nehemiah 4 and verse 11. Here we are again, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And they were listening to the wrong voices. This is what it says. Our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we'll be riding there among them. And we will kill them and we will put an end to their work. This is what they were listening to. And so they were so discouraged because fear had entered into their life. Fear is one of the biggest obstacles to success. The fear of criticism. What would they think? The fear of responsibility. What if I can't handle this? The fear of making a mistake. What if I blow it? Well, let me remind you of Gideon in the Old Testament. You see, Gideon was so fearful, the Bible says he was in the wine press. Threshing out corn for fear of the Midianites that were all around. He was so afraid. And he didn't think much of himself because Gideon said, I'm the least in my family. My clan is the the weakest. We're no one special. But God came to Gideon with a word of encouragement. God spoke prophetically into the heart of Gideon. And God said, you mighty man of valor. Now, God wasn't being sarcastic, was he? But God could see in Gideon what no one else could see. Do you know God can see in you what no one else can see? In fact, God could see not just what Gideon was at that moment. God could see what Gideon would become. He's not restricted by time. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. God can see the end from the very beginning. And he sees you. Not just as things are right now. But as your heart wants to serve him, wants to stand for him, wants to speak for him. He sees what you're going to accomplish and what you're going to do for his glory. And then we come to the New Testament and Timothy. How he represents someone that was full of fear. Someone that was deeply discouraged. You see, Timothy was a young leader in the New Testament church. And he was so anxious and stressed out because he felt people were looking down on him. He felt people were belittling him in some way because he was a young man and and undermining his, his leadership. And Paul came to Timothy with a word of encouragement. He said, Timothy... Don't you let anyone despise your youth. We need that, don't we? We need to hear someone more mature, someone more experienced, someone that can see things more objectively. We need to be spurred on like that. Paul said, Timothy, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do you know that caused Timothy to be strengthened? In his inner man. To begin to lift his head up high. To begin to believe again. The call of God was upon his life. With Timothy. His fear. His insecurity was such. His stress. That it was manifesting in his physical body. Now you talk to any doctor. And any doctor will tell you. Where there is stress and anxiety that's prolonged. And intense. You'll have physical problems because of it. Often manifesting in the stomach. And and Timothy had got this problem. But Paul comes along with a very practical word of encouragement. And sometimes we need to be more practical than we are in our encouragement. Sometimes we can be all up here with wonderful dreams and pictures and images for people. Paul came to Timothy and said, Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. He got a stomach complaint. There was a stomach situation there. I believe brought on by stress. And he was encouraging Timothy. To be strong in the Lord. And the strength of his might. Do you know. Fear is such a major problem. In this sense. So many people. Are so worried about. How they measure up in the eyes of other people, what other people might think of them, whether they're going to be able to really carry through what God has called them to do. Self doubt is always rooted in fear, and it'll rob us from achieving greater things for the Lord. The I can't do it attitude of Moses nearly prevented him becoming the greatest ever leader. Israel had known. And then there's one other cause for discouragement and this is such a common one and it's faulty thinking. This is a problem that creates distorted perceptions. The way that we view life generally, the way that we view our problems, the way that we view ourselves. If we're not seeing clearly, perceiving things clearly, it'll dramatically affect us. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verse 22 and 23. If your eye is sound, your body will be full of light. But if your eye is not sound, your body will be full of darkness. And when we're not seeing things right, it begins to affect us in a dramatic way. Now going back to Elijah, one of the things that brought down Elijah wasn't just the weariness and the tiredness that he was feeling. It was also this faulty thinking. He had a wrong perception of things. In 1 Kings 19 and verse 10, Elijah said, I only I am left and they're seeking my life to kill me. That was a totally wrong way of thinking. His perception of things was completely distorted. Let me show you. Just a few verses later. Eight verses later in the same chapter. 1 Kings 19 and verse 18. We read this. God had got 7,000 who would not bow down to Baal. There were 7,000 others that were prepared to be committed stand up for God 7000 others that were prepared not to compromise and here is elijah say i only i am left and they're seeking my life to kill me did you know that your mental attitude will set the degree of your perseverance in any given situation thomas jefferson america's third president and principal author Of the Declaration of Independence, he said, While nothing can stop a man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal, nothing on earth can help a man with the wrong mental attitude. I'll give you one other example of how bizarre this faulty thinking is, and this is quite extraordinary. In Numbers 14, verse 2 and 3, when the going was tough for the children of Israel, they spoke about returning to Egypt where they said they were better off. <laughs> they were slaves in Egypt. Under the bondage and the tyranny of the Egyptians, they were long hours, agonizing circumstances under the great heat of the sun for nothing. And they thought they were better off back in Egypt rather than going forward to lay hold of God's promises and God's provision. Do you know, we can be like that. It only takes a few obstacles, doesn't it? It only takes a few problems to crop up in our life and the, we begin to, to lose that desire to move forward, to lose, move, use that desire to, to lay hold of what God has got. each one of us. God can make it clear in his word it can be black and white in the scriptures but we begin to loosen our grip on that which God has said because there's a few problems that suddenly come up and we feel we're better off as things were before and so there's many different causes for discouragement let's look at the characteristics as we look at the characteristics now you don't need a lot of discernment to be able to identify someone who's struggling with discouragement. The effect that it has is so powerful that it's difficult for them to hide. Even those who at times can put on the happy face and appear normal, even upbeat, won't be able to conceal their true feelings for long. The characteristics of discouragement will be obvious in the areas of their motivation Their expectation, their communication, and their resignation. When we think about motivation, you and I, we need to be highly motivated. You see, it's it's that high motivation that keeps us moving forward and pressing on and, and, and laying hold of what God has got for us. We read in Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10, Whatever your hand finds to do... Do it with all your might. Do it heartily as unto the Lord. Highly motivated as we live day by day. In Romans 11 verse 12. Never flag in zeal. But be aglow. Enthusiastically serving the Lord. That motivation should be so high. But look what happens when discouragement comes in. Proverbs 17 Verse 22, a downcast spirit dries up the bones. There's a spiritual dryness that begins to come in that affects our motivation towards personal prayer, towards reading God's word, towards our goals, our our vision, towards regular fellowship. Procrastination begins to come in. And the indecisiveness of that slows our lives down considerably. It's then that tasks at work and household chores get neglected. Responsibilities pile up, which only compounds the feelings of inadequacy and worthlessness. And the spirit of enthusiasm and excellence is replaced by mediocrity. As we live our lives. For God. The second characteristic. And these flow on naturally. One from another. When there's motivation affected. Then expectation. Will be affected also. If you've got. Low motivation. You'll have little expectation. The old chorus says. Expect a miracle every day. Expect a miracle when you pray. If you expect it. God will find a way. To perform a miracle for you each day. God's looking today in his church for those that will have great expectation. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 it says, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. There's so much more for us to experience. So much more for us to enter into. And while we know this to be true, the sense of delay, defeat, and disappointment saps our energy, blurs our vision, and lowers our expectation. We then start to live within ever-decreasing boundaries that are self-imposed. No one else puts it on us. We put those boundaries on ourselves so that we stay where we feel safe. We stay where we feel secure. We don't want to step out and take any risks. We don't want to move out of the boat of our security. We just stay where we feel comfortable. And we become stagnant in that position of just staying where we are. The temptation then is to think, well, the promises of God may well work for other people, but not for me. Then, thirdly, the characteristic that is seen is in our communication. (laughs) You see, what's inside eventually will come out. Which is why Jesus said in Luke 6, verse 45, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you know, the scripture says that even a fool, if he keeps his mouth shut will appear wise. If you want to know what's going on in someone else's life, you want to know where people are spiritually in their relationship with God, just let them talk. You ask the questions, but let them talk. And eventually, bubbling up will come where their relationship with God truly is. God wants us to be a people who are full of faith. Where rivers of living water are flowing out of us. Not stagnant pools. And God wants us to be in that place. Where in our communication. Everywhere we go. We become a blessing. In Proverbs 4. Verse 23. The scripture says. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of life. We've got it so protective. So guarding of our hearts, what we allow into our hearts. And the only way that we can do that is found in Psalm 19 and verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. We pray, we believe, we just trust God. We bring ourselves to him daily, asking him to protect our hearts. And then the final characteristic, and you'll understand now why I'm talking about a deadly disease. Uh, I've stated that it's not exaggerating the situation. The fourth characteristic now is resignation. After motivation and expectation and communication is affected, there comes resignation. Resignation. Discouragement will ultimately lead to giving up. No longer wanting to try anymore, It's just too much effort. People like that just accept their situation is never going to get any better. Never be any different. Never change. Whether it's in their health, their marriage, their finances, their family or their ministry. We're celebrating 40 years of full-time Christian ministry. And we thank God as we look back over 40 years, the way that God has been so faithful, the way that God has been so good. But I tell you, in that 40 years, I've come across many, many Christians who have struggled to the point of resignation with discouragement. I was praying for a pastor from Kent not so long ago. He was a chief inspector Six foot three, strapping great man, wonderful music, ministry, as well as leader of the church. God spoke to him that night and he came forward with others for prayer and ministry. He turned to the congregation and he shared with the congregation that for 12 months he'd been struggling with this problem of discouragement. And he wanted to give up the church. And he said, I'm going to go on for God. God's spoken to me tonight. I'm not going to give up the church. And we prayed for him and encouraged him. But he was bearing his heart and encouraging others to be open with their own discouragement. Prayed for an elder of another church who spoke of how he'd been planning to commit suicide due to discouragement. Another pastor full of frustration and despair shared that he'd been on the point of a nervous breakdown and had decided to give up his long years of of ministry. I don't know whether you saw the Christian news in August, just a a few months ago. A senior pastor of a a mega church in California, 30 years of age, dynamic man of God, beautiful young wife, 30 years of age, herself and three little boys. Tragically, took his own life, just feeling so low, so so down, and not able to share with with anyone. Personally, I've I've met four, uh, sorry, three pastors that have done the same. Pentecostal pastors, men of faith, and men that could inspire hope in in God in the hearts of others. A pastor in Kent, a pastor in Lincolnshire and a pastor in the, the Midlands all committing suicide because of feeling such discouragement I don't know whether you've come across these words, they're such a blessing to me every time I, I, I think of them just consider this when things go wrong as they sometimes will when the road you're trudging seems all uphill When the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit rest if you must but don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns as every one of us sometimes learns and many a failure comes about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Success is failure turned inside out. The silver tint of the cloud of doubt. And you can never tell just how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worst that you must not quit. Do you know the heart of God is going out to the church today? Saying, don't you quit on that vision Don't you quit on that prophecy. Don't you quit on those promises. Don't you quit on the work that I've given you to do. The devil wants you to quit. And God wants to strengthen you. He's the glory and the lifter of your head. And God's heart wants to see you standing strong and firm for him. So let me finish with this tonight. The cure for discouragement. And thank God there is a cure. Because discouragement is like a disease poisoning our lives, it's vital that steps are taken to do something about the problem before it develops into depression, despair, and even something more serious. For example, if we had a physical ailment and we received a prescription from the doctor... By following their counsel and applying the appropriate medicine, we'd be restored. We'd feel better. And it's the same with the word of God. The cure for discouragement. First of all, rest your body. Get the sleep that you need. Do you know if you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think. We need to get the sleep that we need. And I'm amazed at the amount of Christians today that stay up into the very late hours of the night, into the early hours of the morning, watching the TV, glued to the computer. And Then they wonder why the next day they feel so groggy and God seems so distant and they're unsure about God's will for their, their lives. We must get the sleep that we need. And listen, every one of us are able to get the sleep that we need if we really want to. With the exception of a very small percentage of people that through medical problems or having young babies find that difficult. But if you want to get the sleep, you will. Let me show you. In Matthew 8 verse 24... And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but Jesus was asleep. Hallelujah. If your life is in the hands of God, you're walking in his will, you're doing his work, your heart is pure, your relationship is right, you'll always get the sleep that you need. Few things impact mood more than lack of sleep. If you need a break, Take one. Even 15 minutes can make a difference. You'll be more refreshed when you return to work. Psalm 23 and verse 2 says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Secondly, not just rest your body, reorganize your life. We read this in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 33. God is not a God of confusion or disorder, but a God of peace. Do you know there's nothing like disorder and chaos to wear us down and to get on top of us? We're not made for chaos. We're made to reflect the image and the likeness of God, a God of order. And when there's chaos, In our life, it agitates against us. It wears us down. Therefore, we need to seek to eliminate this in our lives as far as we're able to do so. First of all, we need to declutter our mind from chaotic thoughts. Do you know these these thoughts that are like butterflies? They're racing all over the place. Particularly when we go to sleep and we're we're trying to get some sleep and the mind is racing and those thoughts are... the Bible says take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. But then we need to declutter our personal space from the muddle and mess of untidiness. The disarray that builds up at home and at work. If we've got an untidy house, or we've got an untidy car, or we've got an untidy desk. We're not reflecting the image and the likeness of God, this God of order. And it will wear us down. In Matthew 11:28, 28, Jesus says, Come unto me all that are weak and that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now here's the point. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And you will find rest. For your soul, We need to learn the ways of God and the will of God for our life. Thirdly, we must recall God's help in the past. Bring to mind God's goodness. When you're feeling low in spirit, when you're, you're, you're feeling discouraged, bring to mind the way that God has answered prayer in the past. That his promises have been true in the past bring to mind the way that God has intervened in the past you see Israel were continually told to set up memorial stones as a reminder of how God had been so faithful and intervened in a time of crisis in 1 Samuel 7 verse 12 as he sets up this pillar he named the pillar Ebenezer Saying thus far the Lord has helped us. It was an encouragement. Every time they saw it. As an encouragement to Joshua. He was told to recall God's help. Given to Moses. To encourage himself. In Joshua 1 and verse 5. God says just as I was with Moses. So shall I also be with you Joshua. And then when Joshua gets to the end of his days, he's an old man, he's about to depart this world, he gathers his leaders together, and he reminds his leaders about the faithfulness and the goodness of God when he says in Joshua 23 and verse 14, not one thing that the Lord promised has failed. What a God! How great is his faithfulness! and we know that everything that he said has come to pass and we dwell upon that it encourages us for the challenges that are ahead fourthly the cure for discouragement is resist the discouragement we've got to put up a fight don't just lie down and, and let it overwhelm you we've got to fight back look how David does this in Psalm 43 and verse 5, as David encourages himself in the Lord. This is what he says. Why be downcast, my soul, or disturbed within me? Come on, put your hope in God. He's speaking to himself. He's not speaking to anyone else. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. We've got to put up a fight. Look at the fight that Paul puts up. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 and 9, the many things that were trying to discourage him were afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. He's standing firm, fighting, resisting that discouragement. And you know, there's always a way out of discouragement. You don't have to remain feeling downcast. It's a choice. We must do what we know to be right in spite of our feelings. And here's the good news no feeling lasts forever. It doesn't matter how dark and how difficult the feeling is, it's going to pass. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. We've got to keep on holding. To God's promises, keep on confessing faith, keep on trusting, keep on moving forward for Him. And the last one is this then the cure for discouragement. We need to refocus our life to overcome discouragement, we need to shift the focus away from ourselves and our circumstances. And the place to begin is Colossians 3 and verse 2. Set your mind upon heaven, where Christ is, and not upon the things of this world. The reason why so many fall to discouragement is because they're worldly minded. Their mind is set on the materialistic level, and that spiritual di- dimension is neglected. So we set our mind upon heaven and not on the things of this earth. Also, to refocus our life, we need to maintain an attitude of gratitude. To be thankful. Thankful for the fact that we're saved. Thankful for the fact that without God's salvation, we... We could be down at the pub tonight. Or we're down at the, di- the dance hall. Or we-, we could be in all sorts of dreadful situations. We'd be different people. Were it not for the grace of God. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found. I was blind. But now I see. And we're so grateful for that. Now look how Paul expresses that in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 1. Having received this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. (laughs) Paul was so aware that in his own words, he was the chiefest of sinners. And yet God had laid hold of him. God had saved him. God had called him. God had given him a purpose in life. At the very least, you and I are ambassadors for the kingdom of God. We represent his government. We're witnesses to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The creator of all the universe has set his hand upon us and has lifted us up that we might be used as a testimony to his glory. How thankful, how grateful we should be, we do not lose a heart. And the last thing, to refocus our life, we must look around, look around, and see the needs of others, to refocus. You see, when you're discouraged, often the knocks of life, they begin to blur your vision. You begin to get out of focus. Look at the problems that others are going through. The struggles that others have. And be motivated to help. To speak a word of kindness. To, to, a, a, a warm embrace. A, a practical gesture. Something that can build someone else up. Let me show you the difference that makes. Proverbs 11 verse 25. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed being used to help in someone else's life revitalizes our own lives ask yourself who can I encourage who can I help who can I lift up who can I see go further than where I am myself and so we've got a heart to want to be a blessing to those that are in need in conclusion then We're all going to be discouraged at some time or other. And frequently, frequently, that will come to us. We can be discouraged over so many different things. But don't let it steal your joy, rob you of your peace. Don't let it snatch away your victory. Instead, recognize the causes. Secondly, realize the characteristics. And thirdly, reach out to God for his help, for that cure. Asking God to come and strengthen you with might by his spirit in your inner man. To let his grace abound to you. So that you can abound in the work of the Lord. Come to God and say, oh God, I'm struggling. God, I'm finding it hard. But God, I'm looking to you. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. And do you know, when we're encouraged by that, we can go on our way rejoicing. And when the devil tries to bring us down, we just simply look up to the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer, shall we? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you tonight that you know what's going on in our hearts and lives. You know the battles that we have, the struggles that we go through. We thank you, Lord, that you are for us and not against us. And Lord, I just pray for each one here in this meeting. Lord, I pray that you'll help them to to begin to look up, to begin to reach out to begin to ask you to help in the struggles and the battles of life. Lord, I just pray that you'll bring great encouragement to each and every one that's here in this meeting and that you'll stir us up to be encouragers of others. Father, I pray that in this church it will be characterized, not merely by unity but by a unified people that have such love for one another that each day they find something to encourage another person about help us to look beyond ourselves and help us to be a blessing to those that are in need for we ask it in Jesus name Amen Amen Amen. Can I just say tonight that if any do want prayer afterwards, take the opportunity to receive prayer.